find, please, in your worship guide on the inside right cover, I guess it's kind of like page three, at the top there are verses in a big green square. That will be our scripture reading for the day. It comes from John 4, and we're going to practice um, Lectio Divina. If you have... um, if you're keeping up with the book, Good and Beautiful God, you know that each week there is a, um, uh, an exercise that helps us. With, it's a, a spiritual discipline, a, a soul, what is it, soul shaper or something I've forgotten. But it's, this is the, the practice for this week. And so I, I'm going to do, you'll do it a little differently at home, but I'm going to read through it three times. I'll pause between the readings and um, then I'll pray at the conclusion. If you would follow along, please. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. God is love. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we we also ought to love one another. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. We love because He first loved us. The next time that I read it, look for a line, a phrase, a word that that seems to jump out just for you. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. God is love. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. We love because He first loved us. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. God is love. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. We love because He first loved us. Pray with me, please. Lord, we pause at the reading of this section from Your Holy Word asking that those words, God is love, would become so transformingly real to us in the next few minutes that our lives will never be the same. For those who bore shame into this room, for those uh, watching online and by television who are burdened with this weighty burden of shame, I pray that that overwhelming sense of your love would relieve them of that burden, that we would leave here knowing that you are absolutely crazy about us. We pray these things in the name of the one in whom your love was most perfectly and beautifully displayed, the Lord Jesus. 
Amen. Today, God is love. Following, of course, the the study, the good and beautiful God, we've seen that God is good, that He is trustworthy, that He is generous, and today, God is love. It's simple, isn't it? Almost simplistic, almost simple to the point that it sounds childish. But I will never say three more profound words than God is love, and I will never preach a message as, as deep and weighty as this message based on those three words, God is love. Brennan Manning told about walking, or excuse me, about a priest that was walking on, on a road in the countryside near his church. He saw a man, an old man, uh, kneeling by the side of that road praying. The priest uh, stopped and observed the prayer and said to the man, you and God must be very close. The man looked up and smiled and said, yes, he is very fond of me. And until you can say that, he is very fond of me. You've not yet completely understood the breadth and depth and richness of those three words, God is love. John, the writer of the fourth gospel, five times in the story of Jesus that he told, five times he refers to himself in the third person as the disciple Jesus loved. Here's just one of them, John 13, 23. One of them, the disciples whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Four times he does that and refers to himself as the disciple Jesus loved. Now that may sound arrogant and audacious. It might sound prideful and presumptuous to say that I am the one that Jesus loved. But it's not. And until you can say that, until you can say, I'm the one that, that Jesus loves, that you've not quite gotten your heart and head around those three words. God is love. And when we do get our hearts and heads around that phrase, God is love, it changes the way we think. When we understand that, that God loves us, it changes our thinking from from I have to follow the rules to I want to follow the guidelines laid out by one who has my best interest at heart. When we understand the, the love of God, it changes our thinking from I have to prove myself to I want to live up to God's expectations. I, I want to live up to the potential that God sees in me. When we understand that God is love, it changes our thinking from I'm afraid of death to I don't want to die and I'm not ready to leave this world, but who could be afraid, who could dread, who could be afraid of meeting the one who loves us so purely? When we when we understand that God is love, it, cha love, it changes our thinking. The Old Testament with its confusing stories of violence and wrath also includes some tender, tender images and metaphors of God's love for us. Like Isaiah 49, 15 and 16, which says, God has our names on his 
hands. Listen, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. What a beautiful metaphor. Like the mother who goes to the tattoo parlor for the first time and says to the tattoo artist, I'd like you to tattoo the names of my children on my hands. Like the lady who goes to the jewelry store and says, I want a charm bracelet and I want charms that have the names of my children. Like the mother who's always posting cute pictures of her cute kids on Instagram and Facebook. Like the mother who has countless pictures of her children on her smartphone and during slow times in the office, she just sits there and scrolls through them. Those, those wonderful kids. What an image, what a tender metaphor. God says, I have you engraved on the palms of my hands. I thought about Philip Yancey and, and the fact that his, his father contracted polio when Philip Yancey was nine months old. And his father spent the last three months of his life in an iron lung, that big steel contraption that encapsulated the entire body of the patient except for his or her head. And so Philip Yancey's father lived from the time Philip Yancey was 10 months old to just past the time he was one year old. His father spent those three months where his, his little boy couldn't come visit him, spent those three months in an iron lung. Years later, decades later, Philip Yancey was back visiting with his mother and they were going through pictures and, and he came across a crumpled picture. He said it looked like a dog had been a hold of it. And he asked his mom, mom, uh, why did you keep this picture of me when I was a baby? But, but there are lots of other pictures. She said, oh, that one's special. She explained, that's the picture that your father had when he was lying in that iron lung. It's, it's crumpled because it was crammed behind one of the knobs on that steel contraption. So all day, every day, Philip Yancey's daddy looked at that picture of his little boy. Philip Yancey wrote, Some, someone I have no memory of spent all day, every day thinking of me, devoting himself to me, loving me as well as he could. And when his mother showed him that picture, he felt, of course, deep emotion. He said the same emotion he had felt in, an, in a dormitory room in college when he understood for the first time that God is not just a God of rules and judgment, but a God of love. He said it's the same emotion he experienced as when he, he thought about his daddy looking at that crumpled up picture on his iron lung. The New Testament, or excuse me, the Old Testament, with all its confusing stories of violence and wrath, has some tender images, metaphors of love of God, like, like Isaiah uh, that says he has our names tattooed on the palms of his hand. And like Zephaniah 3.17 that says, God sings over us. Listen, the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. Listen to that. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Three years ago, a little over, well, over three years ago, I, I told you, I actually preached from that verse and, and I said, um, I've written songs for my grandchildren that I sing over them. And um, now there's a fourth. Uh, his name is uh, Camden Briggs Davis, our daughter's son. So I've got, a, I've got a song for Camden Briggs. It goes like this. 
Camden Briggs is falling down, falling down, falling down. Camden Briggs is falling down, but Papa C, that's what they call me, Papa C loves him. Papa C is picking him up, picking him up, picking him up. Papa C is picking him up because Papa C loves him. And then there's a fifth one. A five-month-old Jensen Cruz Collins, and I got a song for him too. And some of you will remember it, uh, the tune from the 70s. Papa C loves Jensen Cruz. Listen, baby, he's my little buckaroos. I ain't lying. His wishes I cannot refuse. Dooby 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 doo-wah. Papa C loves Jensen Cruz. See? Now, if an old preacher whose senior adult minister is younger than he is <laughs> can sing such songs over his grandchildren, what must it be like for the one who created music itself to sing over you? There are days for us to talk about our sinfulness, about greed and idolatry, about racism, about bad business ethics, about sexual immorality and so on. But every once in a while, most of us need to pull over and take a deep breath and remember that the one who hung the stars in space loves us without measure. The Old Testament, with all its confusing stories of violence and wrath, has some tender images of God's love, like Isaiah said that he has this engraved or tattooed, if you will, on the palms of his hands, and Zephaniah who said that, that God sings over us. So you can listen to your critics and detractors who say you're not likable, much less lovable. You can listen to your culture that says if you're not young and attractive and smart and wealthy, athletic, then you, you don't have any real value. You can listen to the legalists who say you have to earn God's love by being good. You can listen to the voices in your head that say some of those things you did in high school or college or maybe last night, that some of those things you did make you unworthy of any love, including the love of God. And you can listen to those voices or you can tune out those voices of lies and you can listen to see if you can hear the creator of the universe singing over you. Now, God's love is not just any old love. It's a unique love we call grace. And grace is unconditional, undeserved, unlimited, unrelenting love. Grace means that uh, your value in God's eyes and your place in his heart are not dependent upon how good or bad you are. That your place in God's 
heart and your value in his eyes are not dependent upon how good or bad you are. To quote Peter Scazzaro, grace means although we are more weak and scarred than we might dare admit, we are more deeply loved than we might dare to dream. Grace is a multifaceted truth. And I've been studying and preaching on grace for a long time, but about a year ago, I learned another facet of grace. We were having our Zoom uh, Monday morning prayer time, and um, we, were all, we were on lockdown because of COVID. And uh, Pat Williams said, uh, Travis, would you hang on for a moment after we... And Pat's getting real nervous now. But Pat, she said, um, would you hang on just for a moment? I want to ask you a question. And, and, and we did. And she said, you know, Travis, grace is, is just such a big thing to get my head around. Would you, would you help me one more time? Well, remember, I was at home. And I looked down, and in the floor was our dog, Gracie. And I said, yeah, I said, Pat, just take Gracie, for example. I said, Gracie does nothing to earn our love. Gracie doesn't do any work around here. She does nothing to earn the food that we give her. But we love her anyway. That's grace. And then Pat said, but you think she's cute, don't you? I said, yeah, I do. I think she's cute. Pat said, she brings you joy, doesn't she? I said, yes, she does. And I, I came to understand a new facet of grace. Please hear me. Grace does not mean that you are despicable to God, but he loves you anyway. Grace does not mean you are despicable in God's eyes, but he loves you anyway. God delights in you. We read it a moment ago. He's got your artwork on the refrigerator and your picture in his wallet. He is crazy about you. Now, you don't earn any, his love. There's nothing you can do to make him love you, more or less. I mean, there are times when Gracie doesn't bring me joy. You know, she, she'll chew a hole in my sock or something. But my goodness, when I come home and she's so happy, she's about to jump out of her skin. And when she jumps in my lap, I don't... I don't love Gracie because she's despicable. Gracie brings me, by the way, I got a song for Gracie too. Would you like to, <laughs> would you like to hear that? It goes like this. Gracie, Gracie, give me your answer do. I'm half crazy all for the love of you. I was gonna get a Nissan, but instead I gotta be shine. And you are sweet and you are neat. And you're awfully pretty too. See, I got a song even for, even for my dog. But Pat helped me. Pat helped me understand another facet of grace. God doesn't love you despite you. He loves you because of you. Now, are there times when you don't bring him joy and I don't bring him joy? Of course. But God does not find you despicable. He has your name tattooed on his hands. And he sings over you. God is love. And he doesn't just love everybody. He is very fond 
of you. Now, I want, to, I want to wrap up by taking another look at that, I think, the most important verse in, in this text today. And it's this, this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Or put another way, the deepest love ever is God loving us enough to send his son Jesus who stretched out his hands and died to somehow take care of our sins. We all know the stories surrounding the assassinations of Abraham Lincoln and John Kennedy and Robert Kennedy and Martin Luther King. We all know the um, tragic accidental substance related deaths of Michael Jackson and Whitney Houston and Heath Ledger. We know the tragic stories of death by suicide of Robin Williams and Anthony Bourdain. We still talk about the death of Lady Diana and we wonder if that death was truly an accident. So when we think of those people, their lives are somewhat defined by their deaths. But nobody's life has been defined by his death like Jesus. In the four books that tell his story, one-third of the ink in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, one-third of the ink is about his death. Let me read it again. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Or, put another way, the deepest love ever is God loving us enough to send His Son Jesus who stretched out His hands and died to somehow take care of our sins. As mysterious as His death is, as many academic papers and books have been written to explain the theories of His death, nothing is more profound than this. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. Isaac Watts wrote, Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. And Charles Wesley wrote, Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, would die for me? And we're going to sing that, hymn number 605.